Moscow. Princess Bussey. weekend celebration, the Tricentennial. A town festival with a mass killer running around. Whoever it is, is just getting showy. That's how these guys start to trip up. I know there's a lot of speculation. I know there's a lot of rumors going around. What happened that night? Let's all stay close to home. Don't let your children out. Stay safe. Show starts in one minute. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves Many of you have asked why we are moving ahead with today's festivities in light of the recent tragedy. In these especially difficult times, Founders Day... Don't you dare lecture me about Founders Day. Everybody and welcome to the latest episode of Fresh Cuts. This is Mike. Joining me as always, it's Mr. Venom. What's up, Venom? Greetings and salutations, mayoral candidates. And after watching this week's movie, I can officially say I hate all of you. How you doing, Mike? <laughs> I'm doing good. Uh, another work week getting started, which usually means Fresh Cuts. At the end of the day, which sometimes means it's going to be a good discussion. Other times, we watched a movie like this. So, uh, also with us, it's Donna Nelly. What's up, Don? Yeah, how about hating a person that's not even registered to vote? What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, if those clues didn't tip you off... Um, I wouldn't be surprised because this movie, I think, was like barely mentioned, advertised, anything. I, I think. Gee, after watching I it, I wonder why. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I want. I want to say the only reason I knew about it was because maybe I got a trailer for it from some other movie. But um, other than that, yeah, I because I haven't heard nobody really talking about it. I actually, heard, I posted that I was watching on Instagram, and I had a lot of people message me like what is this and how was it and uh i hate okay i don't want to get into my thoughts on the movie yet i guess but i don't like 
telling people like too much of my thoughts ahead of time because you know there's people that might like or not like a movie that I have the opposite feelings on and I want to encourage people to always go to the theater to see stuff but uh yeah I don't know that's probably not even really containing what I thought about the movie very well but let's just uh, get into it we are covering Founders Day that released this past Friday if you're have a question mark above your head i understand because uh like i said i i don't think the movie was really advertised that well but maybe for good reason maybe not we'll see it's uh, labeled as a comedy horror mystery on imdb in that order a small ah. town is shaken <laughs> a small town is shaken by a series of ominous killings in the days leading up to a heated mayoral election all right so we will start with our general thoughts as usual. So, Venom, why don't you whip out that big bag of praise for Founders Day or not? <laughs> what did you think of the movie? <laughs> oh, man, I can't believe I'm dusting this one off so early in 2024. Yeah, fuck this movie. Holy shit, this movie is awful. Um, I don't even know where to start with this movie. This story is atrocious. This the acting is awful. Uh, the cinematography is garbage. The sound design is bad. The direction is bad. The kills. There's one kill that's on screen that's a fairly brutal kill, and it's ruined by CG blood. It's like literally the only good kill in the movie, and it's just ruined by CG blood and um, like slice effects, like wounds, knife wounds. Holy shit. I have never felt so little for a woman who just had her daughter murdered than I felt in this movie. I literally laughed out loud when the mayor started crying about her daughter being murdered. It was so fucking stupid. It was the worst fake crying I've ever seen. There are two bullies in this movie. I call them uh, Machine Kelly, uh, Machine Gun Kelly Jr. and Megan Fox III because holy fuck, probably some of the worst acting in the film is these two bullies. And I, I literally just want to see these idiots get sliced in half, and they survive way longer in the movie than I would have guessed. Um, oh man, where else can I go with this? <laughs> If if Hallmark made a horror movie, I think this would be it. Other than the one brutal kill that I just talked about, this totally feels like a Hallmark horror movie. And that might even be offensive to Hallmark, because that might be an insult to them, because I've only seen one or two Hallmark movies, and they're watchable. They're not really my thing, usually, but at least, you know, they look good. They're well made. This would be like a, a Hallmark on a day off making a horror movie. Oh, what else? The lighting. There's some of the worst lighting I've ever seen in a, I don't want to say big budget, but at least in a theatrical horror film, in a, in a movie that's released in the theater. Terrible lighting. The camera goes out of focus for no fucking reason multiple times throughout the movie. I don't know if that's a stylistic choice, but it's a stupid one if it was. Um And then last but not least, the reveal of our killer is... 
Do you guys remember how I railed against the blackening and how the killer in that movie was just so fucking petty and stupid? Well, we have a new king for stupid and petty, my friends, because the motivation of this killer in this fucking movie is one of the dumbest, most childish fucking things I've ever heard of. I'm so disgusted with this movie. And this movie is an hour and 45 fucking minutes long. Are you kidding me? I had to sit for longer than usual to sit through this garbage, a movie that could have been an hour and ten minutes and could have literally given me the exact same story. Now, I was able, surprisingly, I was able to pull out two positives out of this film, and literally only two. Uh, The first one is going to be the character of Mr. Jackson, played by William Russ. He is, like, probably the only likable character in this whole fucking movie. And by the end of the movie, you kind of hate him, too, for whatever reason. It's just, oh, God. And then the only other thing I liked about the movie is the outfit of the killer. I like the mask. I like the judge's wig with the, with the, uh, um, the the mallet, the gavel, excuse me, the judge's gavel. Like, I thought all that was cool, but then we get no explanation as to why. Like, where did that mask come from? That's not like a normal mask that you would just find in a courtroom, you know? That's a fucking menacing-looking mask. What's the backstory of that mask? Why are they dressed like a judge? Am I just supposed to accept that they're being judge, jury, and executioner for these people that they're judging, so it's okay for them to wear a judge's outfit? Yeah, I would have really liked to have seen some kind of backstory on where the killer got the mask and why they decided to use it. Just give me a a throwaway line at the end of the movie to just kind of throw that in there, just so that I have some satisfaction as to why this stupid, lame, ridiculous killer decided to wear such an awesome outfit to go around killing. Um, What else can I really say about this movie? Most of the uh, kills are off screen. I already said that. This is an R-rated movie that absolutely feels PG-13, other than the one brutal kill and a little bit of language throughout the film. Otherwise, ah, this movie is the sheer definition of a throwaway film. Nobody watch this, please. Now, some younger movie audiences, once again, I think will get something out of it. Maybe those kids, the, the younger horror audiences that didn't grow up with Scream and maybe have never seen the original Scream movies might get some enjoyment out of this. This movie tries so hard to be Scream, but it fails at every single attempt all the way down to the reveal, whereas... The Scream franchise now is at a point where the reveal is about the only thing I don't like about it. I like the journey that the the last couple of Scream movies have taken us on. This movie, complete opposite. Like, throughout the movie, I'm like, okay, this could turn into an interesting thing, uh, and it never really happens. We get one kill for the first, what, like half hour of the film, and then the whole first, the, the whole rest of the first act and most of the second is just character development. And setting up your red herrings, because, of course, it is a murder mystery. There's going to be a shitload of red herrings. But ultimately, once again, for the third time this fucking year, well, no, the second time this year, third time for me, but second time for Fresh Cuts, again, we have a horror comedy that is neither scary nor funny nor clever nor anything that you would expect from a horror comedy. Um, and I, personally, I don't even know how this is a horror comedy. Like, the attempts at comedy in here are so lame and stupid. 
Like the the theater that I saw it with, I ended up seeing it in a small theater, but it did sell out, so it was a packed small theater. And the amount of laughing that we were getting out of the audience at scenes that were supposed to be serious, it was constant. Usually I would hate that shit, but in this one instance, it actually raised my enjoyment level a little bit, that, that everyone in the audience was finding this movie as ridiculous as I did. So, yeah, I'm sorry, folks. I, I just I can't recommend this. I, maybe if you're like a 15-year-old horror fan who just got into horror, you might like this. But, I mean, we, we were definitely hoping for another Thanksgiving-style movie, another great holiday slasher that comes out of nowhere. And this movie is definitely less Thanksgiving and more It's a Wonderful Knife. And that is not a compliment in any way, shape, or form. So, I'm going to leave my general thoughts at that and just say I thoroughly fucking hated this movie. Go. Okay. Um, let's kick it over to Dawn to maybe have a different opinion or not. So what do you think of this movie, Dawn? If it wasn't for Jerry Springer being the voice of reason in this, I'd say fuck this movie. Um, yeah, I, I, I copy and paste Venom's sentiments exactly. Uh, I, I, I don't know if this is the character you were referring to, but the guy that looked like Jerry Springer being the best thing about this is probably the only thing that I liked about it. Um, <laughs> sadly. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, his character was actually, um, I, I'm referring to the, uh, political science teacher or history teacher. Or, yeah. Yeah, uh, he he was the best thing about it because I actually really liked him. He seemed like the voice of reason. He seemed like he actually had a head on his shoulders. You know, he actually seemed like you know he was a you know fairly intelligent person in a sea of morons that shouldn't have existed this long into their lives. God damn, these people are stupid. Um, yeah, I, I was pretty much uh, done. I I was like done with this movie 10 minutes in and I was almost checked out 20 minutes in when one of the biggest and most infuriating tropes ever in the history of cinema I regret to use this word but graced the screens in a masked killer prank in front of us you know the uh. victim of in front of the victim of an actual stabbing um I I, I was done with this movie I pretty much just checked out and I don't feel like I missed anything. I mean, I'd glance back up at the screen every few minutes. People were yakking about something unintelligible about politics or their future or some nonsensical bullshit. (sighs) There's very little here. Um, The kills, I mean, you know, you glance up and you see somebody screaming and you think, ooh, wow, something interesting is about to happen, and they get whacked off screen. Just, ah. I, I, I will say, I, I do think the one kill is pretty enjoyable. I think it's the uh, theater screener where they knock off the one character in the hallway of the movie theater. Um, I, I think that one was enjoyable, but yeah, the the fake blood is just you know, that it was just such a turnoff. And then I, I don't know if this was as infuriating for you. They announced the one killer, and I, I'm saying the one killer, 55 minutes into the movie. And I checked because I have the timer 
I actually had the timer on my watch because I, you know, was able to figure out where this movie is. It's about 55 minutes in. They announce one killer. Then the movie keeps going because it's an hour and 45 minutes long. And we've effectively announced who our villain is and dealt with that 55 minutes in. So what was the point of announcing the killer at that point? I, I, I don't, I don't get it. It makes no sense. The way that they re- the reveal two is literally makes no sense. You just happen to walk upon them doing something out of their mask, and they, they, they it's dealt with in one of the just lamest possible ways ever. And then the film keeps going, and then the film keeps going some more, and I, 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 I don't know. Yeah, this I I don't know where where this thing went wrong, um, which sucks because I actually like the director's previous works. This is the same yes. guy that did this is the same guy that did Ten Minutes to Midnight, which I mean we all three of us really enjoyed. Aww. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, and he did. He said she she came out of the woods last year, which I yeah. also enjoyed. Yeah. I did too. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's actually going to be um, pretty prominent on my best of two B originals list, which I'm. Almost done with. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, this was this was a guy that I actually had. Uh, you know, he was a. I wouldn't say he's going to be a you know major player, but you know, okay, you had done two decent films. You know, each one was you know, she came from the woods was better than ten to mid, ten minutes to midnight, but they were both really solid. Uh-huh. And you know, it was a guy that had you know he seemed to be heading in the right direction, and then he drops this and. Yeah, I, I mean, you said it best. It's a, an amalgamation of it's a wonderful knife in Thanksgiving where you take the bad qualities of both films and deliver none of the interesting factors in each one. So, yeah, uh, I, I mean, if you want to see Jerry Springer look like steal the show by being a voice of reason, I, I mean, I guess it's possible to enjoy this. But yeah, uh, I, I think you're better off sticking with, uh, you know, Thanksgiving or even the, any of the Scream films that this thing is so desperate to try to copy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm done. I don't have much else to go on this one because, yeah, Venom's already said most of the stuff I'm going to on it. Uh, all right. Well, in that case, we're going to make it three for three. Not, I'm not a fan of this movie. When I saw a trailer, I, it didn't look too promising, but my hope was, okay, at least we're getting an R-rated slasher, so if anything, there's, we can, anything we can fall back on, which we've seen in, like, recent uh, movie or recent slashers in the last few years, where even if my fe- my feelings on the movie overall were mixed, we, we got some decent kills out of it, but in this one, not really so much. I think... There's one good throat slash. That might be the one Don's referring to in the theater. Yep. Uh, it's been like a okay, yeah. It's been a handful of days since I've seen it, so I I forgot specifically. But that yeah, so we're on the same page on that. The the, the rest of the kills. The problem is, it's like the way the way they were shot because it's like they had the potential to be better because like it would be like oh it's it's a knife going through a face or a head but they would almost shoot it to where it's like already happened so you would just see like a handle of a blade like sitting there and it's but the kill itself was off screen and it's just like come on you're rated r for a reason and especially when you're not giving us that great of a story or anything else it's like at least give us kills to fall back on but nope not here 
Um, I do like the design of the mask and the, and the costume. That's that's fine. Um, but man, this story it, it just feels so thin. The motivation ends up being kind of ridiculous because when I, when I found out like the quote unquote mastermind behind it, I'm like, you you really thought that was necessary considering the situation in the town, which. I can get to into spoilers if I I don't want to say it here because it would kind of give away too much actual story, but uh, man, the the characters I don't know who we're supposed to care about here. Um, we all we all like well I can't say we I think the three of us but in gen- generally speaking I think people like a like a good whodunit in their slasher. The problem with this one is just like. It feels like they're like, well, Scream did it, but we're gonna do it on steroids, and it just doesn't work. Like it, it feels like the, like I was saying, the mastermind comes out of left field, almost purposely, just to say, bet you couldn't have guessed that. And it's, it's, they're right. I didn't guess it because it's so ludicrous. That, that, that's why. And usually, in a good whodunit, once the reveal of the killer happens, you can kind of retrace like the steps of like where they could have been a part of it and why and the motivation and it somewhat makes sense it's always like you know there's stronger ones and weaker ones but this one is just so nonsensical the entire setup that we got at the beginning uh once we find out like the truth behind what happened is just so ridiculous and over the top as if that wouldn't have been immediately investigated and found out to be fraud but uh yeah what else i don't know man i'm uh, the the uh, the characters in this teenagers just felt like throwaway characters. I I did kind of find the cop lady. I forgot her name. I thought oh, she was kind of funny. Yeah. yeah, I thought she was pretty funny. Like at least um, she just stumbled onto the wrong movie. Apparently, like she belonged in a better movie than this. That character, but otherwise there just isn't much memorable. And like I like I said like. It, at least when you get good kills in a slasher, there's something to talk about. There's something that you can go back to, like if you had to watch the movie again. But I just don't see a reason to like, watch this one again. It's just there's just nothing memorable about it. And if they could if they could put that costume – I think Venom was alluding to it. Like give that costume and that mask like uh, it's due justice and put it in like a better movie. Because like I do think it is kind of creepy looking. And because the uh, the story in this does have like a little – a uh, bit of like a political or political in nature it makes sense why uh the mask is how it is uh with the hair the founding father hairstyle and all that so that, it, that's cool but um i cracked up at venom uh usain uh what machine gun kelly and megan fox <laughs> jr because that's basically like what they modeled them after so bad um yeah, but uh, yeah, there's. I just didn't find much creative. Not nothing memorable. Nothing. It, it, it's. I understand why this is released in January for sure. And uh, yeah, it, this is one I just. I just can't recommend. Uh, it's just. I, I wouldn't feel right sending someone to the theater to see this and be like, yeah. Sorry, y'all. You'll probably never listen to a recommendation of mine again. But. Uh, <laughs> Uh, man, now even thinking about like the main characters, like or the the one of the killer, God, like 
just it's starting to come back to me like the motivation, like the speech mm-hmm. that's given at the end, and I'm just like, this is ridiculous. Like even in slasher, like slasher world, this is horrible and stupid, and I don't think anyone in the audience is buying this. Um, who else? I. I I kind of like the campaign manager guy. He was all right as a character, I guess. That's our and one that's of the deputies. Are you talking about uh, the deputy mayor? Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. That's that's our director. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Makes wow. me hate him even more. <laughs> yeah, I know. How could you stand for this? Oh. Um, but yeah, there's not much else to add because you guys have covered most of like what I was thinking too. But um, I, man, I, I was just hoping for a little bit more here. Because uh, you never know. With, with a slasher, there's ways to make something serviceable, even if it's not good. And I, I just feel like they they drop the ball. They drop the ball in usually what area, what the easy areas of a slasher are, and from they just couldn't recover. It's lame. So uh, Venom, back to you. I hear a lot of people calling this a political slasher, and I'm just not seeing it that way. Yes, it is. The movie is based around a mayoral election, but as far as like political commentary, there's very little. There's nothing in here about racism, sexism, uh, xenophobia, body autonomy. You know, all, all the big political uh, topics of the day. The only real political message that I thought this movie had is that liberals and conservatives are equally shitty. They're equally greedy. They're equally concerned with their own affairs more than the affairs of their constituents or the people that they're supposed to be representing. Um, And I've been a voter for 35 years. I didn't need a movie to tell me that both sides are shitty. Uh, I kind of knew that decades ago. Uh, yeah, so, it feels like more election horror than political horror. Thank you. I'll go with election horror, yeah, but political? I mean, Jesus, movie, movies like Candyman and Men had endlessly more political commentary than this fucking movie. And this movie is actually based, like I said, around an actual election. You'd think they would lean into, like, topics and things like that more. But really, no. It was it was almost like a contest to, to see who was more ridiculous, the mayor or the mayor's opponent. Like, who was more over the top and who was uh, less qualified for the job, it seemed like. Like, both of them were just awful, awful choices, which kind of says a lot about American politics, too, because how often, as a registered voter, do you go to vote for president and you don't like either candidate and you don't like any of the independents? It's like, ah, but I know I should vote for somebody. It's, you know, kind of my, you know, right as as an American. But, Mm. man, yeah, this, this fucking movie, holy shit. And we haven't even talked about, like, the main characters, like the, the uh, Allison, the main character that we follow throughout the majority of the movie, even though we kind of ignore her for a big chunk of, like, the first and second act, and then she kind of comes back into the story. Um, like I said, they spend so much time on character development and red herring development that it just kind of gets lost in the shuffle, and... Yeah, it's one of those movies that you're not likely going to pick out who the killer is because it's such a ridiculous – the reasoning is ridiculous and the the methodology is ridiculous, like how they actually became a killer. It's just – yeah, this movie has so little to offer. Even though on the surface you look at it, you watch the trailer, it's like, oh, it looks like any other, you know, big budget Hollywood horror film. You know, uh, no different than, you know, Night Swim or blah, blah, blah. But 
Man. And the editing. Holy shit. I have not seen editing this bad since Black Christmas 2019. I mean, I know that's, Jesus, almost five years ago now. But uh, if you guys remember some of the awful editing in that movie where they took an R-rated cut and made it into a PG-13 cut, but the cuts that they put in there were absolute garbage. Yeah, I haven't seen editing this bad since that movie back in 2019. Yeah, this, like I said, there's just very little redeeming about this movie. Like, there's no characters to really get behind. Um, There's just, you know, again, it's kind of a high school youth-oriented horror that, uh, you know, if you're not in high school, you're probably not going to feel uh, any kind of sense of, you know, dread or impending doom. It's it, You're just, you're waiting for more kills, you know. When, when you're watching a horror comedy slasher, you're waiting for them kills. That's what you want. And if you're not going to give me those awesome kills, then for fuck's sake, give me at least a decent story. And, yeah, we absolutely don't get that here, so... Yeah, a political slasher that is neither political, but there is slashing, so I guess I'll give it that, even though most of it's off screen. And what's not off screen doesn't look very good. <laughs> so I'm just not sure where else we can go from there. Just um I'm actually gonna disagree with Mike on one thing. Catherine Curtin as the commissioner. I love her usually. I think she's completely wasted in this movie, and I don't even like her performance in this movie. It doesn't make sense. She plays the commissioner of police. Yet she acts like, I don't know, like, I can't even think of a good analogy. Just like a goofball. And by the way, as far as um, police characters sucking on a lollipop, fuck you. Kojak did that 40 years ago. Don't you dare try to take any thunder from Kojak. He's fucking awesome. Yes, I'm old enough to know Kojak. Anyway, point in. I'm old enough to know Kojak, and I caught that reference. Nice. Yeah. I hated that. Every fucking scene in the movie, she's got a lollipop, and I just want to strangle her. And I'm sitting in a sea of, like, 20-something-year-olds that probably would never know what the hell Kojak is. So, to them, it's like, oh, that's so different and original. No. No, it isn't at all. Stop it. Her performance, again, it just goes to the bad direction because she could be a lot funnier. We've seen Catherine Curtin, like I said, I mentioned Werewolves Within, where she's fucking brilliant. And that's the difference when you have a good director and good writing. This is a waste. This is this movie's an absolute waste for Catherine Curtin. I feel bad that she even did it. But, you know, I, I understand a paycheck is a paycheck. Uh, one of the best criticisms I heard about this movie that actually made me laugh was that this is the kind of movie that made us not care about the writers and actors strike last year. Because <laughs> if this yeah, is the kind yeah. of shit that we're getting because they're not on strike, uh, maybe go back on strike. I don't know. Like this, this is just not good at all. Ah, uh, man. I, I mean, for whatever it's worth, I didn't hate Allison, our main character. She does the best that she can with the material that she's given. Uh, Naomi Grace is the actress. Um, plays our main character, Allison Chambers. She does as good as she can. It's not a stellar performance. But it's also not awful. Like I said, the the mayor and the mayor's opponent, absolute cartoon characters, fucking caricatures of human beings. Uh, the two bullies that I already mentioned. Uh, just, yes, yeah, and obviously some of the townsfolk here, like the council members and, and citizens that were at that council meeting, just holy, just over-the-top absolute caricatures. Uh, but again... It's something that we kind of have to accept. I, I mean, obviously the movie's awful, so I don't accept anything about this movie. But like I said, 
We're three grizzled old men on this show. We've been watching horror movies probably collectively between the three of us. We probably got about 80 years of horror movie watching and enjoying. So I said this before on the show, and I'll say it again. When you've been watching horror, as long as we have, the tropes tend to get a little bit more annoying than they do for younger horror fans. So I would say if you're under 24... You and you haven't been watching horror for that long, maybe no more than ten years. Then I would say you may enjoy this movie. Go check it out. It's you know, not the worst made thing I've ever seen, but when you really, really nitpick every aspect of it, it's pretty fucking awful. And even though I didn't graduate film school, I did go to film school for a couple of semesters, so I do know a tiny little bit about what I'm talking about. Ever just tiny, tiny. I assure you. Um, but man, yeah, this movie is so poorly made. It should not have been released. I don't even, how this is not a straight to VOD is beyond me. Like whose dick did this director suck to get this released in theaters? I I, I need to know that. Probably those, (laughs) probably those dumbasses who watched She Came From The Woods and praised it. I I mean, I was like, obviously not any of ours. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I didn't hate She Came From the Woods. I accepted it as just a cheesy camp slasher, which is exactly what it is. It does have a supernatural element to it, which I didn't hate. Um, but Oh, I loved it because of that. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. I, I had a really good time with it. I saw it in the theater. I had a really, it, was a, it was one of the more surprising movies of last year because I had heard nothing about it. You guys know I don't watch trailers. It's the kind of thing where if, if I see a poster at the theater for a horror movie, I go see it. It's that simple. I mean, that's exactly what happened with Founders Day. No trailer. I never saw a poster. I never I never even saw, like, a tweet. And usually I, I follow most of the major studios, and they will always tweet about their new releases. I don't even remember seeing a tweet about Founders Day. So either the filmmakers are just utterly embarrassed about this movie and don't want to push it too hard, because then everybody will have to share in the crapulence. But... I don't know. I I really want to know what deal was made to get this fucking turd in the theater. Oh, and by the way, it hits streaming next week. Ha! (laughs) So that tells you a lot about the goddamn film. Tells you about the confidence. Exactly, yeah. So, um, if uh, my cohorts don't have anything else to add that is spoiler-free, I guess this will be your final spoiler warning. Uh, usually I would say if you haven't seen the movie, pause the show, go watch it and come back. Uh, but I'm going to say, yeah, never, ever watch this movie and just stick around and enjoy what will be a very quick and stupid walkthrough. <laughs> okay, let's start it out. Uh, our movie opens up and we are introduced to, uh, oh, what's the name of the girl? Lily. Lily. And um, she is a, oh wait, is it Lily? No, no, that's the mayor's daughter. Fuck, I'm so sorry. Anyway, we end up meeting a girl who is the daughter of the mayor's opponent. Um, this guy is running for mayor. Um, I forget his name. What the hell was his name? Faulkner. Faulkner. Um, so Faulkner was running for mayor, and Gladwell was already the mayor. So in the opening scene, we're introduced to Faulkner's daughter. We see that they have a tenuous relationship. They're not very friendly. And then we find out that uh, the daughter is a lesbian. That, uh, you know, she she dates a girl, and she actually dates Allison, played by Naomi Grace. Um, she gets into an argument with her father because it's, it's, um, it's basically a few days before the election. I think it's like less than a week before the election. 
Founders Day is like the third, and then Election Day is the sixth, the following Tuesday. So they're in the middle of an election, and they're getting into a discussion because she dresses very obviously lesbian, like she's not trying to hide her sexuality at all, and which upsets her father because he's trying to run for mayor, blah, 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 blah. Anyway, um, Melissa, that's her name. I found her. Melissa. <laughs> okay, so Melissa ends up going and meeting Allison. And they have a discussion about after graduation. I, I guess these folks are like seniors or uh, some of them maybe are even out of high school. Who knows? Uh, but the ones that we do see in school, I'm assuming, are seniors, 17, 18 years old. So uh, let's see. Melissa ends up meeting Allison. They, they start talking about the future. Allison has decided that after she graduates high school, she's going to be leaving town and co uh, continuing her education at college. Melissa is not very happy about this. I don't know if it's because Melissa has no prospects for college or if she just has no desire to want to go to college. But the point is, she's adamant that she wants Allison to stay. Uh, they meet up at a bridge. And on this bridge, there's a bunch of, like, padlocks that people will, like, carve their initials, you know, like, JC plus MA or whatever stupid thing you want to do. And they have a padlock with their initials on it with uh, AC for Allison Chambers and MF for Melissa Faulkner. And when they when when Melissa goes to put the lock up on the bridge, uh, just to kind of play like a, a silly little prank, she loops the lock through one of the belt loops on Allison's jeans. And so basically, Allison is locked to the side of this bridge by one of her belt loops. <laughs> the first ridiculous thing right there. Anyway, as they're talking, a, a car pulls up to the bridge. It's a walking bridge, by the way, so cars can actually go on the bridge. So the, the car stops at the end of the bridge with its high beams on so that the girls can't see who's, you know, driving the car. And then we see a masked assailant come out of the car and attack Melissa. And we see, you know, the outfit that we saw in the trailers, the red kind of cool ghoul-looking mask. Uh, the judge's wig, you know, the white judge's wig with the judge's robe and the gavel. And we see the killer uh, basically, and again, the view is kind of uh, obstructed for the, us, the viewer as well, by the headlights of this car or truck, whatever it is they were driving. So we see him hit uh, Melissa multiple times in the head. Um, he, it looks like he stabs her multiple times. And then he picks her up and he throws her over the bridge into the river below. Um, now, during this entire attack, Allison is screaming. Now, folks, the belt loops on your jeans are not that fucking strong. You may not be able to pull it with your hand, but if you're locked by a belt loop on a pair of jeans that you're wearing, all you have to do is give a little bit of effort and pull away. That belt yeah. loop is going to unstitch. It's not that fucking hard. <laughs> so already. When she, got, yeah. when she got attached by the belt loop, I in no way thought like if worse came to worse, it was at, like I was like, oh, they're setting something up so she's gonna break loose, and it never happened. And I was like, what? Yeah, just yeah. All you have to do is just use your legs against the bridge and push off with your legs. You probably wouldn't even have to put on that much effort because I mean, you're putting your whole body behind it. Like I said, it's not like trying to pull a belt loop off with your hands, like off a pair of jeans that you're not wearing. This is literally your entire body is just connected by a belt loop to this bridge. It, it wouldn't take that much. I've done it myself, for fuck's sake. 
I've done it by accident where I walk by like a hook or something. It grabs my belt loop. I keep walking and it rips right off on, you know, one end of it. It's not hard to do. So anyway, and this is kind of the beginnings of the entire plan. of. And I didn't really mention this during the spoiler, uh, the non-spoiler section, but I definitely meant to. This plot is stupid. All the different elements that have to fall into place for this plot to actually be able to be carried out is absolutely ridiculous. And literally, right from the very opening scene of the fucking movie, this plan should have fallen apart. It should have, right off the bat. But it doesn't. So, like I said, back to the movie. Um, after Allison gets herself, uh, you know, gets her rips her belt loop off, she basically runs away, and we see the killer just standing in front of the headlights, staring at her as she runs away. She ends up running to a political rally that's going on, and it's, it's kind of interesting where um, both both conservatives and liberals want to take credit for helping her. Like she's she's screaming and crying, you know, my girl just got killed. And rather than somebody in the crowd going and getting a cop, they start to argue over who's going to help Allison. So, yeah, I mean, I guess that's the closest to a political message that we're really going to get out of this movie is that both sides are just petty and stupid and short-tempered. I don't know. Whatever. So, after that, um, it is <clears throat> the town realizes that they have a killer on their hands. And now we're going to spend the next 30 to 40 fucking minutes of this movie just building, uh, just uh, developing characters, red herrings. So I'm just going to go try to go through them as quickly as I can. Um, we're introduced to one of the instructors in the school. His name is Mr. Jackson. Very educated, very well-spoken older man, like Don says. Looks a lot like an older Jerry Springer. And he seems to be the voice of reason in this town, this town that's just filled with hotheads and people yelling at each other over one topic or another. And he seems to be the level-headed voice of reason for this town. So he's instantly a likable character. Um, let's see, who else are we introduced to? We're introduced to the mayor, who is uh, Blair Gladwell. She is the current mayor. Um, she has two kids, or excuse me, she has one daughter named Lily, who works at the movie theater that Allison used to work at and Adam currently works at. Uh, and, well, let's introduce Adam while I mentioned him. Adam Faulkner, he is um, the son of uh, Mr. Faulkner, the guy who's running for mayor. And he is also the brother of uh, Melissa Faulkner, the girl who was killed in the cold open. Uh, let's see. Uh, we're, we're introduced to Commissioner Peterson. She is the commissioner of police, like I said, played by Catherine Curtin. She is definitely the comic relief of the movie. You know, she's always trying to keep the mood light. No matter what horrible thing has happened in the town, she still cracks a little joke every now and again. So I'll give her credit for being a pretty cool character. Um, and then, oh, and then Deputy Miller is another character that we meet. I honestly thought he was the sheriff because... Catherine Curtin is called the commissioner, and if you look on IMDb, her character is Commissioner Peterson. So I incorrectly assume that Miller was a, a sheriff, but he's a deputy. And it, it seems like he's one of the only cops in town, because every time a cop is needed for a scene in this movie, he is there. So, you know, it's uh, very much another scream situation where they have a very small uh, police department, and one particular guy is always answering all the calls. And then Oliver, who is the deputy mayor, 
uh, not the not the sheriff's deputy. The sheriff's deputy is uh, the cop. I call him Dewey Jr. because he is basically Dewey in the Scream movies. And then, like I said, Oliver Hall, played by our director, Eric Blumquist, is the deputy mayor. He's kind of like the mayor's assistant, Mayor Gladwell's, you know, most trusted assistant. The hand of the king, if you will, for all you Game of Thrones watchers. So, and then we meet the bullies, too. And they're throwaway characters, Britt and Tyler. Like I said, literally, they're Machine Gun Kelly and Megan Fox the third, uh, just they, they literally uh, copy the look, the attitude. They're the big bullies in school that are always fucking with Allison to the point where literally the day, the day after Allison watches her girlfriend get murdered and thrown over a bridge, um, they decide to pull a prank on her where he wears a black hood and then he chases her through the hall until he finally gets her. And we get this tense scene where he's trying to push a knife into her chest. Everybody, everybody in the hall is just watching like instantly. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? How is no one doing anything? You're all literally going to watch one of your classmates get murdered in front of you. Fuck. Anyway, finally he gets, gets to her chest and, you know, stabs her in the chest, but it turns out it's a fake knife. It's just one of those retractable knives. And then he pulls the mask off, and it's Tyler and Britt. And they're caught by a teacher. They're caught by Mr. Jackson, who basically forces them to apologize. They refuse to apologize, so he gives them two Saturdays' worth of detention. Like, that's going to do anything to teach these idiots a, a lesson. And then we're introduced also to just various council members, uh, Mr. Faulkner's uh, wife, um, and then other members of the community. So where can we go from here now that we've gotten through all the uh, delivery? Um, I forgot to mention that there is a movie theater that is a kind of a central location for the movie. Adam and Lily both currently work at that movie theater. Allison used to work at that movie theater, um, but that's where she met. Uh, Melissa, uh, Melissa also, I think, or actually it was Melissa that used to work at the movie theater. I'm so sorry. I'm getting my names backwards. Not that it's important. Who cares? Anyway, um, we start getting more like the, of the political discussion. You know, we get a little bit of a, uh, back and forth between the two candidates, not in an official debate, but more like in a shouting session in her office. Um, let's see, eventually on that first Saturday that the two, um, bullies, are doing detention in the school. Uh, Mr. Jackson is there. He basically gives them a, an assignment, you know, a 2000 word essay to write, blah, blah, blah. Th then he leaves the room out of nowhere. Then Tyler basically decides, Oh, let's fuck on his desk on the old man's desk. Fuck that guy. He can't tell us what to do. <laughs> so they start. And, and this is kind of comical. Uh, Machine gun. Kelly can't get it up. He's sitting there trying to jerk off, trying to trying to get an erection and he's unable to. So it, it ends up being mildly comical because he fucking deserves that. Anyway, he, we don't get to enjoy it for long because right then uh, our judge killer shows up, starts bashing Tyler with the mallet. This is where we find out that there's actually a knife in the handle of the mallet, which I kind of like because after the first kill, I'm sitting in the theater going, how is a mallet an effective or a gavel? 
How is that an effective murder weapon? Like, you'd have to sneak up on all of your victims. They'll never know that, you know, they're being attacked or whatever. But then when we find out that there's actually a knife in the handle, then I'm like, okay, that's a little bit better. I'll accept that. And it's definitely more slasher-y. It's more of a slasher-type weapon than just a basic knife or a basic mallet or something, you know? So I'll give him credit for that. Anyway, of course, uh, Tyler is killed. He's uh, pretty much bludgeoned with the... uh, the mallet. Uh, Britt runs out of the room screaming, still half naked from the sex that never happened. She ends up going to the gym, hiding in the bleachers. Of course, the killer finds her. And this is one of those kills that just doesn't look very good. He stabs her right in the middle of the forehead. But it's one of those jump cut type things where you see him take the swing and then the camera cuts and then it goes back to the girl and the knife is already in her forehead and there's not even any blood. Now, granted, I know the blood would probably more come when they pull the knife out, but you're still going to get a little bit on the insert, on the insertion. So, you know, it just didn't look very good, blah, blah, blah. At that same time, Allison is at the school trying to uh, get something out of her locker that she forgot. She hears somebody um, writing on a chalkboard. She hears, like, that classic sound of chalk, you know, rubbing up against a chalkboard. Um And she's wondering, who the hell is at the school on Saturday? It's a Saturday. There shouldn't be anybody here. She walks into the the same classroom, Mr. Jackson's classroom, where Tyler was just murdered. And we see Adam Faulkner, um, the, you know, the, the mayoral candidate's son, who also, you know, whose sister was murdered in the very opening scene. Um, we, we see him in the outfit, but with the mask off, like he's, or no, he's got the mask on. He's got the entire outfit on. And this killer had the, no, he's got the mask on the, he's got the mask on the desk. That's how she knows it's him. Oh, I thought he took it off in front of her. You're probably right. You're probably right. Yeah. Yeah, He's got it on the desk. Either way, which is like, which is mm -hmm. like boneheaded move because it's like, oh yeah, you're in a public place. Like, it just seems like ridiculous that he would just. <laughs> like he, I, I could see maybe if he's like writing on the chalkboard, he like lifts the mask like on top of his head, but to just take right. it off and put it on the desk, I'm like, come on. Yeah, that's that amateur move, definitely amateur fucking move. So, um, so now we see Allison. Um, she catches Adam, Adam, yeah, Adam, um, writing on the wall, uh, writing on the chalkboard while wearing the outfit. She freaks out and starts to run away. Adam instantly starts yelling, it wasn't supposed to be like this. I'm so sorry. It wasn't supposed to be like this. You don't understand. You know, blah, blah, blah. A bunch of cryptic shit that won't be explained until later. He then follows her outside where Allison runs to her father, who's outside waiting for her. Literally, her father, who is, you know, a fairly well-built black dude. Uh, is like right there and he still decides to attack Allison. He literally puts his hand on her throat, lifts the knife up and says, I'm sorry that I have to do this. But luckily um, the dad pulls a piece of broken lumber out from the back of his truck and literally impales Adam with it. It's actually a pretty gnarly little uh, wound that we see after he pulls it out. Um, and and like Don said earlier, this is 55 minutes into the movie, into an hour and 45-minute movie, and it's like, wait a minute, we just got the reveal of our killer. We now see that Adam is, you know, the killer, and he, of course, dies of his injury, you know, getting impaled by the, uh, by the lumber. And then uh, that night, 
or the next day, maybe they have another council meeting where the townsfolk are not convinced that Adam was the only killer. I don't know how, but for some reason, the town is actually right in this instance. They're like, we don't think this is over. Um, like I said, they're doing this at a council meeting. And uh, the the mayor obviously has a speech, lets them know, you know, we're going to do everything that we can, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but at the same time that this meeting is happening, her own daughter, Lily, is at the movie theater being – or maybe it was the night before. I think it was the night before the council meeting. Uh, Lily is at the movie theater by herself being stalked, and she eventually does end up getting killed in the movie theater in the aisle. Um, basically, the killer hits her in the head to kind of knock her down on the ground, then throws a bunch of glass on the ground – forcing her to crawl through broken glass. Eventually, when I guess when the killer finally has its, you know, his entertainment value, he does lift up her head and slice her throat. And what's one of the better looking kills in the movie, sadly, is just a basic throat slit, but I'll, I'll still give the movie its credit. It looked halfway decent. So now at this point, um, <laughs> we're having a, another meeting the next day and literally Right before the meeting, Lily's body is discovered in a dumpster, and it's discovered by this kind of douchebag guy. I forget. Uh, Rob. Rob was his name. He's kind of like the town loser. Like, he's out of high school, but he still hangs out with high school kids. He's actually, like, he's seen multiple times making out with Lily. We find out that Lily and Adam did have a relationship, you know, previous to, to the events of the movie. So, of course, you know, Adam's a little bit jealous, but doesn't matter because he's dead now. So... Uh, basically, after he gets the police and lets them know that he found a dead body, instantly the cop starts questioning him. Like, uh, oh, you were the last person to saw her, so you're obviously going to be a suspect. But he freaks out instantly. He doesn't understand that there's a procedure and that everyone involved is going to be a suspect for a short time, you know, until they are deemed not a suspect. He freaks the fuck out and just starts running, runs away from the cops, and he basically disappears and then we get the events at the high school with Adam being caught as the killer. But even with Adam being killed and uh, determined that he was the killer, the townsfolks are still after Rob. So Rob is still kind of like uh, public enemy number one in this town, at least for the time being. And um, like I said, then the news gets to the mayor that her daughter is dead and she they, they bring her to the dumpster where the body was found so that she can identify the body, which she does. And then there's another council meeting where this time the townsfolks are up in arms. They're just like, what are you guys going to do? Something has to be done, blah, 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 blah. Um, the mayor, understandably, is in her office getting hammered on whiskey. I mean, her only daughter was just murdered and dumped in a dumpster. So, yeah, you know, I'll, I'll forgive her a little bit of alcohol. But then, you know, her assistant tells her, don't worry about the meeting. I'll take care of it. You stay here, blah, blah, blah. She ends up not listening to that advice and very obviously incredibly drunk starts talking to her constituents and, you know, the people that hate her and love her equally. And, you know, she's trying to tell she's trying to give, the, you know, the political buzzwords, you know, you know, uh, we're, we're going to tackle this as a community. The only way we can beat this is together, not separate, not at each other's throats. You know, the basic political crap that you always hear. Um, 
And then she ends up just having a little bit of a meltdown right in the meeting where she's just like, I just lost my daughter, blah, 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 blah. I, I don't even know how the meeting devolved after that. But she ends up going back to her office, continuing her binge drinking. We see her pour another big old glass of whiskey. But when she gets to her office, uh, the mayoral candidate, Mr. Faulkner, is in her office reading her documents. This guy literally walked into the mayor's office. Um, and just starts looking through her paperwork, her cabinets, and he ends up finding some paperwork about some kickbacks that she's been getting for the whole four years that she's been mayor. And he's obviously threatening her, saying, you know, oh, if, when this gets out, there's no way you're going to, you know, um, become the mayor. They They obviously go back and forth trading barbs against each other. Finally, the killer makes themselves, and and this is the scene that really shocked me in the sense that, what unmitigated balls this killer had because he is about to murder two people in the fucking mayor's office while a major council meeting is happening right down the hall and a large chunk of the community is in that building. So, I mean, I'll give the critter, I'll give the killer credit for having some balls because that takes some goddamn balls. Anyway, uh, the killer ends up uh, attacking the mayor, stabbing her in the throat killing her. She falls to the ground. And then Mr. Faulkner basically tries to fight off the killer. When you find out who the killer is, this scene comes off as mildly ridiculous, but I'm going to leave it alone for now. And what ends up happening is the killer ends up pushing Mr. Faulkner up uh, against the mayor's uh, chair, like onto her chair, and then just starts slashing his face uncontrollably. Like, this is the most brutal kill we've seen in this movie. So it kind of gives you an idea that uh, this killer might have a personal relationship with Mr. Faulkner, or at least hates him enough to just destroy his face. Because literally, it's almost a good 15 to 20 seconds of the killer just slash, 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 just slashing over and over, stabbing him in the, the forehead and the eye um, until it finally, you know, we get the end result, which admittedly doesn't look great. But like I said, because it's the most brutal kill in the movie, I'm actually mildly okay with it. Even though, again, CG blood, CG knife wounds, blah, blah, blah. So now at this point, the mayor and the mayor's opponent are both dead. Um, so obviously, you know, the town doesn't know what the hell it's going to do. But at this exact same time, um, let's see, um, Allison's father is brought into the police station for questioning. Um, just like they're questioning everybody in the town uh, about their whereabouts during murders and things like that. Um, while he's in the police department speaking to the commissioner, Rob shows up and jumps into his truck. Allison's outside in the truck by herself while her father's inside talking to the cops. We see Rob jump into the truck. He vehemently, you know, says, I did not kill anyone. I could not do this, blah, blah, blah. Allison believes him. And they decide, okay, let's start retracing this, our steps or my, retracing Allison's steps from the night of the first murder when Melissa was murdered. When they get there, uh, they are met by uh, Deputy Dewey. <laughs> uh, and he, of course, is still in the process of looking for Rob when he sees Rob with Allison at the bridge where Melissa was killed. Instantly, he wants them to separate. You know, he's telling Allison, step away from him. Don't get near him, blah, blah, blah. And then finally, 
the cop just decides, okay, fuck this, and pulls out his handcuffs and handcuffs Rob to the bridge, almost to the exact same spot where Allison was uh, padlocked to when Melissa was killed. The cop starts to claim that Allison's father is the killer. She's uh, the, the cop is like, your father attacked me while we were at the police station. We've got him in captivity at the station. I need you to come with me. He's talking to Allison, telling Allison to come with him to the station. Allison knows without a shadow of a doubt her father is not the killer. So instantly there's this trust thing. But then the cop fucks up. The cop says something like, um, I need to get you home before your father wakes up. And she's like, well, wait a minute. You just told me you had him in a holding cell. How is he home sleeping now? And, of course, the cop instantly realizes that he got himself caught in a lie. He pulls his gun out. Rob is able to uh, to kind of have a struggle with him. And then the inevitable happens where two people are struggling for a gun. The gun goes off. You're not 100% sure who got shot until somebody falls down. And as it turns out, it's the cop that got shot. Rob ends up shooting um, the cop, Deputy Dewey. And then just before he dies, you know, he apologizes to Allison and says almost the same thing that Adam said right before he died of it wasn't supposed to be like this. I'm sorry. You know, I'm sorry it had to go this way or whatever. So Allison is confused. At that point, she leaves. Uh, The cop is dead on the ground. Rob is handcuffed to the bridge. She takes the cop car. She she doesn't even take her father's truck, which is an odd decision. But she takes the cop car and uh, basically drives home. When she gets home, she sees that the killer has been there because there are messages. And I I, kind of forgot to mention earlier that the the, the killer is always leaving messages at the scene. Um, usually it's just like nursery rhymes or like roses are red, violets are blue, which is what we see at Allison's house at the end when she gets home. So she's kind of sneaking around her house, looking, hoping that her father is still there. She ends up getting to her bedroom, which by the way, have you guys ever seen a bedroom with a bathtub in it? I've never even Mm. seen that. I, I like when I saw that bathtub right next to her bed, I'm like, what? I thought it might be decorated. I never even thought that. Yeah, I I mean, my parents' bedroom is, they have a bathroom off to the side, but yeah, not like in the room. Literally, there was a sink and a bathtub in her bedroom. (laughs) Yeah, like if there's a master bedroom or a master bathroom in the master bedroom, sure, but not just sitting kind of in the room. Literally, yeah. I mean, how how does her stuff not get damaged when she takes a hot shower or a hot bath? She can't take a shower. It's a bathtub. But, yeah. Anyway, that's besides the point. It's just a weird aesthetic choice that the, they decided to go with that I've never seen. I'm not saying it doesn't exist. I'm just saying I've never known anyone who had a bathtub and a sink in their bedroom, not separate in a in a side room, literally in the same room with their bed. So, eh, whatever. Anyway. When she finally does get up to her bedroom, um, she's following a trail of rose petals that the killer has left for her to go through the house and see all the messages in order. Um, Roses are red, violets are blue. I forget how that particular one ends. Well, it ends with look under the bed. Uh, When she gets when she finally gets to her bathroom or excuse me, to her bedroom slash bathroom um, written on the side of the bathtub is look under the bed. Now, she's got a pair of scissors in her hand, so she is armed. Um, she she looks under her bed, and what she sees is the killer. She sees 
someone dressed in the entire outfit, the wig, the mask, the robe, everything. So she instantly starts stabbing the person. But then we hear the person under the mask go, Allison, Allison, it's me. Stop. And Allison finally pulls the mask off and it's her father tied up. So the killer dressed her father up as the killer, um, potentially to frame him, which we'll find out here in a few minutes. Um, after Allison notices that it's her father under the bed, she's attacked from behind. She's knocked out, and then she's tied up next to her father. When she comes to, the killer is standing there in front of her, and the killer takes off their mask. And who the fuck is it, my friends? It's Melissa Faulkner, the girl who quote-unquote died in the cold open. Then they, they show us the cold open again, but from a different angle, and this time we can see how um, the quote-unquote, basically Adam in the killer's outfit was basically like doing like wrestling uh, hits with the mallet where he's not actually hitting the head. He's kind of going off to the side. But because the headlights were flashing right in Allison's eyes, she can't quite tell everything that we see. Uh, and then uh, we we see Adam drag Melissa behind uh, the car that he drove, and we see them pull out a dummy, uh, literally a life-size dummy dressed exactly like Melissa. Um, he then continues to act like he's killing the dummy before finally throwing it over the bridge. And uh, so we get our answer there as to how she is involved in this whole thing. Then she makes a phone call telling someone to join her. She basically says, I'm almost done. Come down here and finish this with me. <clears throat> so at this point, we already know that Adam is dead, her brother, who was also a killer. And then who shows up at the house but Mr. fucking Jackson, the character that we all kind of liked, is the fucking mastermind of this whole thing. He's not... Um, Mastermind might be the wrong word. He's not the one who put the idea in the other people's heads. He's the one who just came up with the plots that would work, like the plans, the fake Melissa kill at the bridge, you know, shit like that, killing the mayor in the office, all that shit. Um, and so basically Mr. Jackson tells the story of how they all got together. And this is where it gets fucking so disgustingly petty and stupid. Uh, Melissa, one day, walking to work at the movie theater, she's going to work, she goes by the alley behind the movie theater, and she sees Lily and Rob making out. Now, don't forget, at this point, Lily and Adam are together, Adam, of course, being Melissa's brother. She ends up telling Adam exactly what she saw. Adam wants to text Lily right away. She says, no, I have a better idea. And this is where the plot starts to fucking develop. So you've got two killers. One wants to kill their partner because she wants to go to college and better her life after high school. The other wants to kill his ex-girlfriend because she made out with some guy in an alley. My friends, is murder the proper response to these allegations? <laughs> I've been cheated on. I'm not going to fucking murder the girl that cheated on me. That doesn't fucking make any sense. Um, and so, so yeah. And then we also find out that part of this little cabal of killers is also Deputy Miller, who we saw die at the bridge, so we knew he had to be involved in some way. And then we also see Oliver, the fucking deputy mayor, 
uh, a.k.a. the director of the film. So it's literally five of them. They all decide this is the plot that we're going to do. We're going to kill Lily because she cheated on Adam. We're going to kill <laughs> Allison because she wants to leave. She wants to leave town and better herself. And then um, they want to kill off both of the mayors because there's a clause in the city chapter that says if uh, if the mayor is killed in office and there's no obvious person to put in that slot, that the longest standing member of the council, of the city council, automatically becomes mayor. Guess who that is, my friends? Mr. Jackson. Um, the funniest thing about that, though, is like mm -hmm. the town loves Mr. Jackson. He could have just fucking ran for mayor yeah. and probably won. <laughs> he could have run it as an yeah. independent and would have won in a landslide. But whatever. Uh, yeah. and then, uh, let's see what else. Now, the other thing that irks me about this uh, this whole fucking movie is that there's five people involved in the killings, five antagonists. Two of them fucking get away with it. Literally, Mr. Jackson is allowed to become mayor because basically Jackson, Mr. Jackson and Allison have a conversation right before the cops get there. Um, oh, I forgot to mention that at this point, uh, Allison was able to get the upper hand on Melissa and kill her. So Melissa is now deader than shit. And Mr. Jackson is there alive, but he's not wearing, you know, like the, the outfit or anything. He's dressed normal, and he also doesn't have any blood on him. And he literally explains the entire situation to Allison. Like I said, as we're learning it, it's him, you know, kind of giving the narration of everything that's happened and why it's happened. Now, th this is, the, this is a, another head-scratching part of the movie. Just before the police get there... Mr. Jackson asks Allison, what are you going to tell the cops? And Allison just says the truth, assuming, at least to us, the viewer, that she's going to spill all of it. The whole thing with, the, with Mr. Jackson, the deputy mayor, the sheriff, everything. Instead, and I have no fucking idea why, Allison decides not to rat out the deputy mayor and, and Mr. Jackson. Um, they basically pin the murders on the brother and sister, which, like I said, when you watch some of these murders, like when you watch the murder in the mayor's office, that murder is committed by Melissa. Because later in the movie, she actually says, I just killed my father. So that's her in that scene. Guess what, folks? In the cold open, when we see Melissa and her father, Melissa is drastically shorter than her father. But in the murder scene in the mayor's office, the killer is taller than Mr. Faulkner. <laughs> now, granted, people can wear heels. I understand this. But she would have had to have worn stilettos to be taller than her dad. Um, so, again, one of those little uh, elements that you kind of have to just say, okay, fuck it. So, anyway, after the police arrive, it's one year later. The movie advances to one year. Uh, we're at the finale. We see that Mr. Jackson is now the mayor, and everyone in town is very happy with him. We, see, we don't see people yelling back and forth. We don't see protests. It seems like he actually did bring peace to the city. Uh, do, the, do the means justify the ends? Uh, I guess that's up to the viewer, ultimately. Uh, and then we see Allison no longer in the town, uh, she's off to college, and she's giving a dissertation 
about what happened to her, about the murders, uh, you know, that happened in her town. So basically she became, you know, uh, maybe not Sydney Prescott, but Gail Weathers, because she wrote a book about her fucking experiences. Um, and that's pretty much how the movie ends. Literally, the movie ends at the political rally where Mr. Jackson just gave his speech. Everybody's given him a standing ovation. And then there's Oliver, the deputy mayor, standing right behind him, acting like he didn't fucking do anything. And that's how our movie ends. And this is just one of the dozens of reasons to hate this fucking movie. They, this director actually thought that this was a clever ending. Let's have two kids who one got cheated on and one is about to lose their girlfriend to college. Let's take advantage of them. I, I, I mean, I ultimately, I think the entire ploy was just to get Mr. Jackson to be the mayor. Because uh, the mere fact that they had the deputy and um, the, the deputy mayor and the deputy sheriff both in on the plan, it almost seemed like it actually was Mr. Jackson's plan and that he was maybe manipulating the two kids. We don't get ulti- we ultimately don't get confirmation of this. But I mean, I think you can kind of because obviously Adam and Melissa are both smarter than they think they are. <laughs> like they're not ultra bright, but they think they're ultra intelligent. Um, And like I said, this plan is so convoluted and stupid. It should have fallen apart at the bridge when Allison should have been able to get out of that padlock. Also, the fact that Allison just ran away, like Allison didn't run towards the killer or run into the water to try to save um, Melissa. She just ran away. So you can't fucking predict that that's going to be her I mean, how do you, what if Melissa got out of the padlock and then attacked the killer while he was, quote unquote, killing Melissa? There goes the entire plan, whole plan out the fucking window. Um, the mayor's office attack. I mean, how the hell did the killer get a solid like 10 minutes uninterrupted in the mayor's office to be able to kill two fucking people without anybody else walking in. And then eventually the commissioner actually does end up walking in and the killer ends up taking out the commissioner too. Cause she ends up, like I said, she walks into the office after the mayor and the mayor's opponent are both dead. And she kind of freaks out. And of course she says a funny line and then she starts to run away, but the killer is able to catch her, blah, blah, blah. And Like I said, folks, I could sit here for another hour listing off everything that all the issues that I have with this movie between its storytelling, its acting, its technical aspects. Um, Like I said, I've already said the editing, uh, the fucking sound design, even the sound design is not very good in this movie. Did you guys I don't know where if you saw this at home or in the theater, but did you notice that one montage scene? The the music was way too fucking loud. Yeah, I Okay, it, it, was, it wasn't just my theater. Good. It wasn't you, yeah. I, I, yeah, I thought it as well when my uh, my showing. Yeah, terrible sound design. Like bad editing, bad sound design, bad direction, bad cinematography. I, I fucking even the cinema. I, I can't even vouch for the cinematography. Bad score. I mean, like I said, there is so little to actually like about this movie. And one of them gets ruined at the end. Like, you know, we all like Mr. Jackson, but then when we get to the end and realize that he's the mastermind, it's like, oh, fuck you. He took advantage of these kids, like, you know, their broken emotions to get them to put you in the mayor's office. Eh, it seems a little shitty. 
Um, and then the only other thing positive that really any of us can say is the outfit. The outfit is pretty cool. It would have been great if we could have seen either an early scene in the movie where the killer finds the mask. Like, like you don't actually have to explain the origin of the mask. Not at all. Just where did they find it? How did they find it? Does it mean anything? Does it have any kind of symbolism? Why are they wearing judges' robes uh, and, and and a judge's wig? Like I said earlier, you know, the easy answer is because they're playing judge, jury, and executioner to all these people that they're deeming guilty. But that in and of itself just seems a little flimsy is all. So, yeah, overall, I can't really recommend this movie, especially not at the theater. Please, for God's sakes, do not spend money to watch this. If If it hits Tubi or Pluto or some free streaming service, I mean, I still couldn't recommend it, but at least if you're curious, wait for it to be free. Don't waste your money on this one. That's it for me, folks. Yeah, it's like uh, if you're a huge fan of slashers in particular, you still don't watch it, but at least it's there, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yep. uh, all right. I guess everything else you can say for Founders Day 2. Hey, you know what? Um, I'm not going to say that I'm completely against the Founders Day 2. Only in the sense of if they give us an origin of the outfit, I might accept it. And then, of course, give us a way better killer with a better motivation, blah, blah, blah. You know, getting cheated on is not a reason to murder, folks. I know it sucks. It makes you feel useless and unwanted. But murder is not the proper response uh, to getting dumped. And not even getting dumped, getting cheated on, <laughs> which, which, you know, if making out is cheating, I guess. I guess to most people it is, whatever. <laughs> but, yeah. Like I'm, I said, just reminded of, I'm just reminded of your famous saying, it's better to be vindictive than petty. <laughs> there you go. I like it. Oh, man. Okay. Can we stop talking about this movie now? <laughs> yep. And let's start talking about what else we got for people to listen to. You got anything, Venom? Uh, yeah, we finally do have episode 23 of uh, Creature Comforts in the can. I am in the process of editing that right now. I'm hoping to have it done by the end of the week. So I would imagine by the end of this week or early next week, you'll see episode 23 where we take, the, where we take a look at Rawhead Rex, the 1986 creature feature coming to you from Clive Barker, his second screenplay turned into a major motion picture, so that was fun. It also did recently get a 4K release from uh, Kino Lorber, so check that one out if you can get it. It's pretty cheap. It's only 20 bucks on Amazon right now, too, so if you're a fan of Rawhead Rex, go grab it. I got my copy. I was happy. Um, and that's pretty much it for me. I know we're talking about the return of the Crystal Lake gift shop happening sooner than later. Um, if there's any developments there, obviously we'll let you know about that here, and... Ultimately, that's all I got. All right. Well, I'll kick it over to Don. What you got? All right. Yeah. Um, as mentioned, uh, Creature Conference is uh, coming out soon. Um, I, I think plans are in motion for um, the main show that I'm going to guest on, which should be recording maybe sooner rather than later. Yeah. Um, yeah looking forward to that one. and. Uh, the only other thing I guess for now is uh, my show, The Horror Countdown, where uh, the latest episode, we're now on uh, episode four of the new season, is uh, Christmas-themed horror movies. So 
Uh, Lacey started off the season with uh, holiday in general. Um, this one is specifically Christmas. So, yeah, this one was a, a pretty fun one. So uh, go ahead and check that one out uh, wherever it's available. Um, I There are a few um, other guest spots that I have coming up, um, sort of a, uh, you know, tit-for-tat kind of a, cross-promotional, you know, guest spot on my show, I'll guest spot on yours kind of a thing with uh, a couple of guests, but uh, those are ones recorded, ones in the planning stages, and then ones about to be recorded. So I, I guess I'll drop all of those when uh, they when they come out, essentially. So uh, I guess for now, I, that's pretty much it. Okay. Uh, for me, nothing yet. I am... Possibly going to be doing a guest spot, but uh, it's still kind of in the in the will it or won't it happen based on the scheduling of a different show. So I'll hold off on that. And then we have a tentative date to record uh, the next episode of the main show um, this weekend, actually. So uh, it'll probably be another couple of days until we like officially lock it in, make sure everyone's still good on that. But hopefully, because it's been a while since we've actually done like a normal a normal formatted episode of the main show. Um, but other than that, that's all I got. Um, as far as the next episode of Fresh Cuts, I All right, think... Mike, 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 you've done this three times already. You've picked terrible choices. I'm taking your privilege away. We're covering suitable flesh. Oh, uh, wait. For, for this show? The, for, yeah, the one that's on Shutter. I think it's releases Friday. It's the 26th, that... right? Is that the Heather Graham one? Because I thought that was yep. last year. No, that was no. It it drops on Shutter Friday. We're watching that one. It's a good movie for once. Oh no! I that, no, I know the title. Suitable Flesh. That's weird. Yeah. Yes. I, suitable Suitable I, Flesh. The Heather Graham one. The H.P. Lovecraft adaptation. Yeah, it drops. Oh, that's not really new though. That came out last like. Yeah, but it summer. drops on. Sh- yeah, right. but it drops on Shutter. So. Uh, yeah, but is it? Uh, I guess. Shudder, I don't know if Shudder is the actual official first release, though. Well, we've covered it was available. Yeah, but we've covered films before that had releases, but they we covered them for the Shudder release. Yeah, which I always hated. I'll, I'll go on record as saying I'm not the biggest fan of that. Like, I, I want these movies. Well, was, it still, was it still within the same calendar year, though? Yeah, because that's the thing. I, Suitable Flesh has already appeared on multiple podcasters' top tens of 2023. Uh, it seems like it would be a little old to do now, especially because so many people are I familiar have with seen it. it. I, I have seen yeah. it. I did like it. But, oh, um, spoiler I alert. It. I, <laughs> if, we, if we do it, I have a lot to say about it. I did not like it. But really, I, guess we'll I loved it. Yeah, I I feel like it's one of the laziest H.P. Lovecraft adaptations ever. It's almost as lazy as The Outwaters. I, I just, yeah, I didn't hate it. I, I'm not, I shouldn't say I hated it. I didn't hate it. I gave it a middling score, but I because I am a huge H.P. Lovecraft guy, I take my adaptations kind of seriously, and I was not the biggest fan of this one. Hey, I love looking at Heather Graham naked as much as any other guy. <laughs> But that doesn't make sense. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Whether we do it on Fresh Cuts or not, the three of us will at least be able to talk about it among. Because I don't know if Derek's seen it, but since the three of us have, 
we can definitely still talk about it on the main show too in the opening segment. So we'll figure it out. Um, oh yeah, I mean that'll probably be recorded first anyway. So yeah, that's Sunday. So yeah, uh, that that I think that's a better option. Okay, I, I mean I I, I don't know. You guys felt that way. I I, I loved it so. Ah, love is a stretch. I was okay with it. I wasn't happy with the ending. Um, I don't know. Just throwing a bunch of Lovecraftian names in a movie does not make it Lovecraftian to me, but I understand it is a direct adaptation. It's, I just, I don't know. Fair enough. Maybe, maybe I'll watch it again, uh, before Sunday, before we talk about it, but yeah, I, I just remember walking away from it thinking, man, everybody loves this and I just, don't. <laughs> <laughs> All yeah, right. I mean, uh, yeah, well, something to something to consider for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I'll just say it's next episode of Fresh Cuts is up in the air, but uh, we'll we'll figure it out. There's plenty. Of, there's actually a lot of stuff that seem to hit Prime too, um, but. Uh, we'll figure it all out. So, uh, thanks everyone for listening to another episode of Fresh Cuts. Twenty twenty four is off to uh, uh not so hot year, but we're only a few weeks in. Really? So, um, yeah, half of January doesn't make a year, fortunately. So we'll <laughs> we'll see. Hopefully, we'll be rebounding soon. But with that yeah. said, let's say bye to our listeners. Later. How about you put some actual politics in your political slasher, you dipshit? Yeah, try uh, using the rated R uh, rating (laughs) in your kills next time. (laughs) Peace.